Okay, here's, here's an interesting thing. So we're, we're at the end of a series in which we've been looking at the New Testament church, and we've been trying to learn from the New Testament church. One of the things we've been trying to learn is about the idea that there was a fantasy that somehow the New Testament early church was sort of perfect and flawless and, and everything was wonderful, and if only we could get back there, then, then we too would be resolved of all our difficulties and problems, and uh, 5,000 people a day would be saved and, and all of this. And um, the reality is that the New Testament church, the early church, got an awful lot right that we really could do a lot of learning about. But it was far from a flawless church, and uh, in fact, there is no such thing. So John Smith showed us that quote from Billy Graham, which was, if you find the perfect church, whatever you do, don't join it because you'll spoil it. And, and there's a lot of truth in that. So anyway, we're, we're, I don't know, are you, do you prefer beginnings or endings? Are you a beginning or an ending person? Which, who's, who's for, who prefers beginnings? Yeah, it's quite a lot of people who prefer beginnings. All right, who prefers endings? Yeah, 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 I'm looking at all the obsessive people who prefer endings. I, yeah, I'm a completer finisher, right? So today is, today is a red letter sermon day for me because I can tick that box. I can tell we have finished the series, and I, I like finishing. But one of the things about finishing is that we want to sort of sum it up and work out what we've learned. So I've, I've made less notes today than I ever make and I just want to reassure you that that in no way suggests that my sermon today will be any shorter than it ever is. Because <laughs> I could see the look of disappointment on your face there, thinking that you were going to miss out, but no chance. Uh, but all I've done today is made, look, look, that's my notes. Four lists, that's all I've made. Four lists about the early church and the church now. The early church and the church now. And the four lists are simply this. What's the same? What's different? Does the difference make a difference? And finally, what can we learn from the early church? Just four lists, that's all. Just four lists. So here's the question that we'll start with. What is the same now as was then? What's the same now as was then? And the answer is, an awful lot is the same now as was then. So number one, Jesus is the same. It's exactly the same Jesus now as it was then. He hasn't changed. And none of that has changed. When Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me, he didn't say, uh, until the third century, and then it's over to you. Now, I know a large section of the Christian world decided that that's what Jesus said and took the entire growth of the church in the West into its own hands and made a truly, and I use the word advisedly, unholy mess of the whole thing. Uh, that was a big mistake that lasted many centuries. And you could argue that as a church, we're still paying for that now. But that is not the case. Jesus was the one who said, I will build my church. And he continues to build his church. Jesus has not changed. Okay, what else has not changed? The gospel has not changed. The gospel has not changed. 
And I'll tell you why the gospel hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed because people haven't changed. Okay, so you're not wearing a leather skirt, Mark, but three or four hundred miles north, and who knows? But uh, dress changes, fashion changes, language changes, but people, people are much the same. I was having a conversation with somebody on Friday, and one of the things I was sort of saying to them, because this is what I used to do when I had a real job, is this. You look at all the uniqueness of human beings, the uniqueness, the bizarre character traits, you know, whether your eyesight's good or bad, whether you have a propensity to particular illnesses or not, whether you have a, a talent or a gift or you don't or whatever it is, all those unique things, they essentially make up probably less than 1% of a human being. Human beings are 99.9% identical, pretty well all the way through. So not just physically, psychologically true. We are pretty much alike. And we've always been alike. We've very much been alike. We're as open to conditioning in the community and in our families and in the environment as we ever were. We are as open to suggestion from public opinion and media as we ever were. We are as susceptible to our own emotions as we ever were. You know, we can do all of that. We are the same human being, capable of great good and remarkable selfishness, sometimes within about 10 minutes of each other. It's amazing. Just look at Christmas. So Christmas means that the small child gets a present and is remarkably grateful until a sibling gets a present. And then they're remarkably jealous. Now I realize that you adults never suffer from that same set of emotions ever. But there we go. How do we do it? Almost in a split second. It's wonderful, isn't it? The definition of happiness, believe it or not, is not the same as joy. The definition of happiness is this, that you get what you want. Well, as soon as you get what you want, you stop wanting it. Now, I say you stop wanting it. Do you stop wanting? No. No, 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 no. What happens is you move on to the next want. And as it gets stronger, so your happiness at having got what you want goes back down again and on you go. Some people call this a human drive. I'm not sure that I want to be driven quite in that way. Though the advertisers love it, they make a lot of money from that. That is not joy, that is just the pursuit of happiness. It's interesting, human beings haven't changed in this way. Just what we want, has that changed? People used to want food, I mean, as in to stay alive. Maybe that's changed. Okay, what else has not changed? Well, the mission hasn't changed. So it's the same mission. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything which I have commanded, which is, of course, the phrase that we all like to forget. Uh, because some of what Jesus commanded was quite challenging, uh, not for people, just for us. Uh, and we, you know, like to, oh, did you really say that? You, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. I zoned out 
for 25 years uh, when you were saying that and, uh, and therefore haven't done it yet. Uh, but, you know, we do that. That's the same. People in the community are still the same. People are still trying to make a living. People have the same worries. People are still concerned for their families. People still have troublesome children and irritating parents and fears for the future. Uh, and, and people uh, struggle with being young. People struggle with being old. People struggle with the bit in the middle. This hasn't changed. It's much the same. But, and we'll come to it, one of the things that has changed, of course, is that the bit in the middle has got considerably longer on average, by the by. We'll come to that. Okay, what else has changed? There is still the massive range of other religions. There was a huge range of other religions then. There's still a huge range now. Some of them much more prominent than Christianity. Some of them uh, very mystic. Some of them very aggressive. Some of them, uh, you know, really uh, quite difficult to take. But that's how it was. There was the same materialism. People liked stuff. Do you like stuff? Yeah. When I used to work in the drug scene, you used to get kids who started dealing and then get caught really easily, really easily. And you might think, well, how is that? And it worked like this, because they were kids who'd never had any money, and the families had never had any money, and then they made some money. I mean, a lot of money, more money than they'd ever seen. And what do you do with money? Well, if you're educated in middle class, you put it in a secret bank account, and you let it grow. What's the current rate? About 0.3% or something, anyway. So it doesn't grow very fast. But anyway, you put it in there. If you've never had money, what's money for? It's to buy stuff. I know a kid, he got arrested. He was 17. And outside his house was a brand new Mitsubishi Shogun. <laughs> he couldn't drive. He had it delivered. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not hard to catch people, but that's the materials. I'm, I'm going to buy stuff because stuff is a good thing to have. Yeah. Until you've got stuff, and then, of course, your heart moves to the next bit of stuff. Stuff 2.0 or 3.0 and so on. That hasn't changed. Here are the other things that haven't changed. All the bad things haven't changed. Poverty, war, starvation, incurable sickness, the unfairness of life, natural disasters. They are all much the same. And I'll tell you what is also the same is that people who feel that they have been victims of these often blame God because their life hasn't gone well. Or use that as a reason to say there is no God. That was absolutely a well-documented way of thinking in the Roman Empire in much the same way as it is now. That hasn't changed. Okay, the problems inside the church haven't changed. So people in the early church, they grumbled when they didn't get what they liked. 
In the early church, if people had an idea about how things should be and they weren't how they should be, then they got into the habit of not coming, as we were hearing last time. People got very consumeristic and they saw their Christianity as a product. People gossiped and said very unpleasant things about one another for very poor motives. People found themselves believing people who were telling them things that were false but attractive, and they liked to listen to them. People built themselves up heroes other than Jesus and went chasing after them. Is that like the church today? Is that like the church today? No, certainly not. So that, sorry, I put that on the wrong list there, haven't I? The same is the opposition was exactly the same. So people told lies about the church. People manipulated what they said about the church and about Christians. There was violence towards the church, ever increasing, as indeed there is today. The church got very bad press. Some of it deserved, sadly, still. Christians were mocked in public. Children were mocked in their schools. Adults were mocked in the street. People who were Christians in the early uh, period of the church were excluded from joining certain groups, having certain jobs, holding certain offices. It came and it went. That's like now, isn't it? That's exactly like now, which is quite interesting. So what's different? Okay, so what's different? Here's the different things that I thought of. Okay, number one, the church has a much longer history. Okay, so we can't go, here's a new idea. In fact, we can't even say Bridge North Baptist Church, there's a new idea. It sort of started about 350 years ago, uh, and we're working on it. I'll tell you what else hasn't changed. Corruption in the church hasn't changed. We hear it very early on in the church that corruption starts, and it hasn't changed. And that's a sad thing, but it's one of the things that we had to say about the reality of church is that church is made up of people, and not all people are good. So the idea that we think of church as a sort of utopia is not brilliant. We've got a friend, Darlene and I, who says, you know that your church is reaching the right community when people stop feeling safe about leaving their handbag on the seat when they go for a cup of tea. And there's a reality about that. But there's a reality about that anyway. But what is different is we have this tradition all these traditions that we have to have or we don't have, and we're still writing traditions. The new sort of Pentecostal decision and charismatic traditions that are now uh, really of the last 50 or 60 years are a new layer of tradition. I told you about a Baptist minister I know who uh, actually got disciplined because uh, he moved a communion table two feet uh, in order to do something with the children. Tradition over children. Goodness gracious, that's not a transaction we want to make, is it? But, but it, it's, you know, history has changed things. There's a larger population. People live longer. I'm not saying they're any happier. They just live longer. And one of the things that's changed about that, however, is that people get angry 
about early death. But that hasn't changed. Human beings are still vulnerable. But whereas the average age in the Roman, Roman era for a man was 45 and for a woman was 28, the average life expectancy for both now is in its 80s. And if people don't live through to their 80s, we feel cheated somehow. Which is interesting. I tend to celebrate. I celebrate 42, and I'm going to celebrate uh, 63 as well. Because I got brought up on the basis I wasn't going to live to 21. Uh, and here I am, strutting around church looking like Santa Claus. I mean, what happens there? What's that about? It's a bonus. Do we have the right to expect? You know, we get in our car and life is over. Not our fault. Why did God make that person drive into me? Okay, God, you intervene. Right, you can't drive because you're a bad driver and you're a bad driver. And if God did that, you know what would happen? I'd be the only one driving on the road. That's, that's what would happen. Now, that's freedom of choice. That's what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, that has, people, that has that's changed. Things have changed. And the larger population means that travel is faster, there are more options. It does not take uh, four days to get to London, uh, usually, um, and all of those things. More options, more leisure. Leisure was only for the rich in the old days. Now leisure has become part of our consumerism. And therefore, is church leisure, or is church work, or is church a sort of it's spoiled leisure. Let's do church and then go have fun. Is, is, is that the deal, really? Is that church? It isn't. I mean, first of all, because church is not a Sunday morning service, however bad it is. Console yourself with that. Even if it's a rubbish Sunday service, that's, this is not church. Church is not Sunday. Church is, is relationship. Now, I'm, I, I meet with quite a lot of you at different times, and it's fun, mostly. And, um, <laughs> and that's church, not the Sunday service. So there's greater literacy, there's, there's wider awareness, that's changed. There's more sophisticated science. But here's the interesting thing about science and philosophy is it's still being hijacked by people to make it say what they want it to say, even if that isn't actually what it says. And that continues. One of the things I really like about this current younger generation is that they have a much healthier cynical attitude towards science than the generation of the 50s and the 60s that seem to put far too much faith in things that were not there. What I don't like about the current media is that the media will not let anything be mysterious and therefore words like could, might have, have entered as though somehow that makes it a scientific fact when of course it doesn't. So it's interesting, these things have changed. Mass audiences, world news, the ability to make sure that everybody in Britain knows everything bad that's happening in the world. I think that's the benefit of world news, isn't it? Right. Here are good news stories around the world. Well, we never hear that, do we? This is going well. 
this is going well. No, 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 no. Why is that? Because un, when people are alarmed, people are insecure. When people are insecure, they become discontent. When people are discontent, they're easy to sell things to. But the news is never manipulated. I know that. Lots of high income, but there's been high income. Rich people, we've had them. Poor people, we've had them. But the Bible is available. That's an advantage, isn't it? Having the Bible completely changes how much radical Christianity is advancing among, among the churches. Or is it? Should it? That's interesting. We have parachurch organizations, Christian organizations with single purpose. The early church didn't have that. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to knock parachurch organizations which are outside the church but do Christian things in the name of Jesus. The only thing that worries me about that is what is up with the church that that's what has to happen? And I've worked for several. But secondly, Church isn't about division. It should be about coming together. We, we, our church culture needs to shift and change, and we've, we've spread ourselves. People don't shop around. In the old days of the New Testament church, there was a church in Corinth. No, there was just a church in Corinth. Not which church in Corinth do you go to? I go to that one because it's fun and not that one because it's rubbish. I go to the big one in, in, in Ephesus. Uh, I, I, I go to his church. That still happens, doesn't it? His church or her church. Hmm. But that's a bit of a shift. There's, all, there's many forms of distorted Christianity now, isn't there? There are cults. There's the Mormons and the JWs and the Scientologists and the Unitarians? Is it Unitarians or the Universalists? Everything is true, but we're Christian. Interesting. The other thing that I thought has changed is mass fundraising. I put that one down to the point where every time if you're on the street and you talk to some people that you're from church, they think you want money. They think you want money. I mean, though the other side of that is quite interesting. Arlene and I used to be in another church, and we were in much Wenlock, and we were giving away coffee and cake. And we really caused upset as a church because we gave it away, and people really didn't like it. And we had some guy, and he, he came up, and, we, and he was really grateful. He was looking rather frazzled, and he stood there for a few minutes and had a cup of coffee and a cake, and he looked much better. And he said, thanks very much. How much is that? And he said, it's on us. He went, no, no, no. I said, no, no, it's on us. He said, well, can I get us? We haven't got anything for it. We just wanted to give it to you. And, and we're glad we have, because it seems like you calmed down a bit. It's great. <laughs> so we went, and about 10 minutes later, and I'm not kidding you, he ran across the street, slapped a fiver on the table, and ran back again, because he could not cope with the idea that we'd given him something. I mean, how could that be? Churches want money. What's up with the roof, Don? Anything bad? Is there? Right, okay. We need a fund for that. A thermometer? Yeah, that's good. Okay. So if as you're leaving, you can give some money for the roof fund, that would be very good. Okay. So, so much for the same and, and the difference.
I'm sure you can think of others. Here's the question, though, or do I have to say here's the thing? Here's the thing, because that's what I always say. So here's the thing. <laughs> Does the difference make a difference? Does the difference make a difference? Should we be not the same because some things are different? Does it make a difference? Should we be telling people about a different Jesus? Should we be telling people a different gospel? Is, is, is sin outdated? Is the need for forgiveness no longer there? Are we too sophisticated for that? Are we too clever for God? Let's be honest. Often we think so. Has judgment been cancelled? What happens after we die? Is that different from what happened after people in the Roman world died? Has that changed? Or has it not changed? Has our mission changed? Are we no longer required to preach the gospel? Are we no longer required to make disciples? Are we no longer required to do these things? Are we no longer required to teach people to obey everything that Jesus commanded? Has mission changed? Has it changed? Do you feel like it's changed? Do you think it's changed? Is it easier or harder? In between, nearly a bit easier, nearly a bit harder. Okay, here, I, I don't know whether you're right. Were Romans harder to tell about Jesus? That's what I want to know. Were they harder? Yes, they were, because they had helmets with things over their ears like that, <laughs> which, made it, which made it difficult for them to listen to. So, yes, I think you might be right. You could well have a point there. Yeah. Do we have more choice about what we do with our mission? And the answer to that is, no, not really, but there you go. So does discipleship mean something different? Does following Jesus mean mostly not following Jesus? Okay, that, I suppose we could say that's much the same, because it was quite early on that the early church figured that following Jesus could mean mostly not following Jesus, uh, but only when it was convenient. And it works like that. But that's not the thing. So the question is, do the differences make a difference? And what I want to say is, fundamentally, nothing is different. It's the same. The message is the same. We have choice. Sin, death, judgment, on the one hand. Repentance, forgiveness, renewal, salvation, on the other. Nothing to do with us. So I am not any better than anybody else. Christians are as messed up as everybody else. They make as many mistakes. They do it wrong. They need forgiveness. So does everybody else. It's one of the lies that's said about the church, that the church is full of people who think that they are better than others. And that's why we somehow claim that we have salvation on the basis that we are better. No, we claim that we have salvation with Jesus on the basis that we know that we are worse we know that we're worse. That's why we do it. So that hasn't changed. So what, what do we learn from the early church? Well, the early church got it right. Let's be honest. For all its flaws and mistakes and everything else, we have to say, let's recognize the early church got it right because it grew. It grew. 
grew is a good sign that something's right. If you put a plant in the ground and it grows, you've done something right, haven't you? Now, I know there'll be a gardener who'll come along and go, because you could do it better. But the argument is, it's growing, which is a word beginning with S. Scrowing, which, and, and however flawed it might be, scrowing, and the early church grew. So whatever we say about the early church, they got it right. And there are things that they got right. First of all, that their church was all about Jesus. They praised God, they were excited, they spread the gospel to everybody that they knew. Secondly, that they were a church who were a community of believers. They did church in community. So it wasn't about Sunday morning services, though we do strive to make them fun if we can, but it isn't really about it. It's about community. And the more we live in community, then the more we are going to be on mission. The mission was the same. They shared the gospel and they grew disciples. It wasn't an easy task, as we know, to help disciples to grow. Nobody much likes being told what to do. In fact, my experience is this, that you don't have to tell people what to do. What you have to do is just allow people to think that somehow you might be beginning to tell them what to do, and that's enough to get people getting their hair off. It doesn't take much more than that. Discipleship is about submission, and submission is about pride. And pride is a hard thing to let go of for all of us. Remember, it's all of us. Human beings are the same as each other. But the mission is the same. What did the early church do that really was? They, they met together and they encouraged one another. Okay, we don't have much record through into about uh, 20 years after the church. John Farron will correct me if I'm wrong. But about 20 years after the church started, we start to see letters about people coming to church and going not good enough, not smart enough, not whatever. But we also know that that's the period that church growth slowed down dramatically. How interesting that in the era when encouragement started to be given way to complaint, the church growth started to slow down, because it wasn't a period, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but it wasn't actually a period of persecution. That's interesting, isn't it? That when complaint started to replace encouragement, the growth of the church started to slow. That's interesting. So we can learn from that. We can't make a perfect society, and the reason we can't is because you're in it. And uh, whatever we do, we spoil things. I'm, I'm good for 10 minutes, and then suddenly I start to think about me, and, uh, and your stuff doesn't seem quite as important as it did. Did that ever happen to you? No. Okay. Do you know when you do that silence thing, Emily, what's your record before you start thinking about your own stuff? Yeah, likewise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much shorter than your silence today, can I just tell you? Yeah, I sorted out a few things for next week. Why, 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 why you were silently contemplating Jesus, uh, I got a bit of business done. Uh, it was good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I am the center of my universe. It takes a lot of effort um, just, just to shift a planet aside for a second. Uh, what can I say? 
But the church was good at that in the early church. They, they considered others, and they did well at it. One of the things we saw was that there was not discontent with church leaders or comparison. Again, we're into this period 20 years later where we start to see that. Church was together. Leadership was about servanthood, not about heroes. What we can learn from the early church is that being exclusive is a big mistake. Churches that become holy huddles, churches that think they're sensible, they are the churches that make a big mistake. They begin to implode. That had to be fixed quite early on in the church, and it's the same. Okay, so here's the thing why we need Jesus. Here's the thing. This is what we learn from the early church. People behave badly. Not you, obviously. But people behave badly, and that causes trouble in the church. Please don't be one of them. Remember what we said several times. Signs and wonders follow the gospel. Signs and wonders follow the gospel. Preach the gospel, see signs and wonders. Miracles follow the gospel. If we preach the gospel, you do. If you don't want to preach the gospel, you can still have signs and wonders, but it involves gatherings where everybody there is already a Christian. If you want signs and wonders, then preach the gospel. That's the deal. I can't help it. It's not my fault, but it is how it is. I'm not quenching the spirit by saying that. I'm just telling you what the Bible reports. And finally, here's the thing that is different but was the same, and that's this, the last days are coming. But, got to be a bit closer now, hasn't it? I mean, just statistically, it's got to be more likely now. Could be tomorrow. Now, people who invest in banks never think that the bank will collapse. People who buy airline tickets never think that the airline will collapse. People who get in their car never think that some idiot is going to come slamming into them from nowhere. People, including Christians, try and avoid thinking about what happens when it all ends. But all end it will. You will end, I will end, we'll all end, and then what? And that hasn't changed. But the great thing is that the solution hasn't changed either. Jesus still offers eternal life. To all who choose it. It's not about you, it's not about me. People who have done a lot of things in their lives that they are ashamed of choose Jesus. People who have done very little in their life that they're not ashamed of. People who've done great good choose not to choose Jesus. It's the sick that need a savior, isn't it? And it's the same if we go out into gospel. So this is what I want to say. If you're gonna follow Jesus, as Emily said, follow Jesus. Come, to, come and be in community with other people who follow Jesus. Give your wrongdoing to him and he will forgive it. And he will change your life. And your life will be bigger. Christians have small lives because they don't follow Jesus. 
Christians who do follow Jesus have bigger lives. I, I, can, I can give you that transaction for free. That's all we need to do. Follow Jesus. So what do we learn from the early church above everything else? Follow Jesus. Do what he commanded. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Baptize. Teach people to obey what was commanded. And as a result, Jesus will be with us always. And what will we see? Growing churches. Churches that not just grow numerically, but churches which grow spiritually. We become a force in the community, a force for good. We become useful and valuable, but we also become something which is pleasing to God as well. So there's a lot to learn. I hope that you're inspired by the early church. I hope that you're inspired by what can be done if people follow Jesus. Don't prevaricate. If you don't follow Jesus now, don't waste any more time. Choose a, choose a bigger life. You don't miss out on any fun. Trust me, you don't. I, I can also say, you don't miss out on any regrets either. I've discovered this too, but that's only because I keep making mistakes. I'm sure you'd do better than me. But don't waste any more time. What, what pointless worry? What insatiable hunger to have things which don't actually mean other than we want more things. What a shame that we can't address our spiritual life alongside our emotions and our physical needs. Don't waste any more time. And if you already belong to Jesus, same message, don't waste any more time. Let's make church. Not Sunday service, let's make church. We are church, and there's like a lot of people in our church who are not here today, but they are church too. Let's make church. Let's be church. Let's enjoy church. And the last thing that's very important is that if you have a leader, you should be like Paul, who can stand up and speak all night to the point where people fall asleep and fall out the window out of probably sheer boredom. I do apologize for the length of time that I've spoken yet again. Um, but I wanted you to know that we can be church that follows Jesus. You can have a new life if you follow Jesus. We can be a new people if we follow Jesus. We have a lot to learn. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for these patient people who've sat through my ranting uh, this morning. I want to thank you that we have exciting things to share with one another. I want to thank you that the world looks like it changes but stays the same and therefore the solution that you have provided is as effective today as it always has been. And that no matter how sophisticated our lives look, we can still fix where it's hollow by coming to you, Jesus. Lord, help us as a church to be bold, to be excited. Lord, to be keen to put our eyes on you, to let go of our hobby horses and our pride, to let go, Lord, of uh, those things in our lives which get in the way. Lord, the things that uh, sap our energy. 
Lord, help us to be people who are sold out for one another as well as for Jesus. Help us to see church as community and not service once a week. Lord, help it to be part of the fun in our lives. Uh, Just enable us to be that joyous church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.